Welcome to Global Real Estate Dealmakers with Kyle Ney, showcasing investors and entrepreneurs across the globe who are leading innovative commercial and residential real estate projects. Hey there, dealmakers. Welcome to another episode of Kyle's Take. Today, I'm coming to you from the 41st floor of the beautiful Ritz-Carlton here on the Reforma Street in Mexico City. Off my shoulder to the right is the Bosque de Chapultepec, the Chapultepec Forest, uh, which is beautiful as you look out the window. For those of you who listened to episode 24 of Global Real Estate Dealmakers, you had a chance to hear from Jaime Fazja, and you would then know that his firm, uh, of which he's the co-CEO, Thor Urbana, was the developer responsible for the creation of the hotel portion of this project. I wanted, therefore, to come down to see the property in person, uh, to witness firsthand the levels of hospitality, uh, attention to detail, and how they furnish the rooms and the common areas, and also the terrific food that I've now come to know down on the uh, 38th floor uh, common area that has bar, restaurant, and concierge. With that as the backdrop, I'm going to transition into some breaking news for Mexico. On the residential side, you've seen nationwide housing prices. Uh, the index has gone up 7.7% year over year through Q2 of 2021. Some of the biggest increases have been observed in Tijuana, Guadalajara, Puebla, and Monterrey, all at around 9% or more year over year. In the Valle de Mexico region, representing Mexico City, that's been a more modest 3.6% increase. The housing market in Mexico has grown significantly for a decade as a result of the rising middle class, which now represents half of total uh, households in Mexico. The growth in the middle class is due to a few key factors. First of all, you've seen inflation been cut in half from what was 10% now to below 5%. Number two, you've seen huge openness to trade uh, and trade that represents 60% of Mexican GDP. Number three, you've seen much better management of public finances. And then four, you've seen a much greater percentage of the population being financially included or those people who are using banking services. With that said, you still have 66% of, the, of uh, Mexican adults who do not have a, a bank account, which I thought was surprising uh, but certainly reflective of the current state of affairs. The Mexicans who are moving into the middle class by a wide margin prefer to buy than rent, 82% to 18%. And that acts as a huge catalyst to growth in, um, in, in home prices. You've also seen more recently a huge foreign buyer effect despite the pandemic. And that's largely attributed to Americans and Canadians coming into the market. To put some numbers to that, you have 1 million Americans who currently live in Mexico, 500,000 of them own homes. Uh, Riviera, Riviera Maya, that portion of Mexico has seen huge growth uh, throughout COVID uh, on the home uh, purchasing front. One component that's added to this foreign interest is that the value of the Mexican peso is devaluated 6% over the past three years uh, compared to the US dollar. To sum this up a little bit in terms of what's happened in Mexico, in 2020, the economy dropped 8.2%, according to its National Institute of Statistics and Geography, which was the largest 
decreased since the 1930s, and all three rating agencies downgraded Mexican credit. Uh, I believe S&P was first to downgrade sovereign bonds to triple B, and then Moody's and Fitch followed suit. One bright spot, however, is that the economy has increased nearly 20% year over year through Q2 2021, and that was after eight quarters of negative growth uh, due to COVID and energy shortages. I'd like to make a few additional comments on foreign ownership. In Mexico City, foreign buyers are largely represented from Brazil, the U.S., and Spain. And, and this group of foreign buyers largely chooses to invest in new construction on the residential side and then commercial properties. Uh, that is a result of a lot of them being in Mexico City for work. Interestingly, there was a foreign investment law passed in 1973 in Mexico that allowed foreigners to purchase real estate anywhere in the country, except within 100 kilometers of international borders or 50 kilometers from the coastline. However, then in 1993, that law was amended to allow foreigners to purchase within these restricted zones via this program, uh, I'll try to pronounce it, the uh, Fideo O Comiso, and this uh, allowed foreigners to own indirectly via bank trusts in short, the trustee would own the real estate, but the beneficiary, the actual investor, the foreigner, would retain the ownership rights, whether that be to sell, lease, or mortgage the property. I'm going to now touch upon the lending side. Mortgage rates in Mexico have remained high. The average rate uh, at Mexican banks was 12.6% in July of this year. Uh, the central bank, the Banco de Mexico, uh, has increased its key rate two consecutive times in 25 basis point increments to get to 4.5% right now. That's That's been to address inflation concerns uh, resulting from the improving economy. To put that into contrast, however, the benchmark rate was 7.5% in December of 2019, and that went down to 4%. Uh, it was reduced uh, to that level in February 2021 uh, as a result of COVID-19 and the drop in oil prices. A few other market uh, statistics I'd like to mention is that industrial activity in Mexico, that's a third of the economy uh, and largely dependent on U.S. demand, has soared uh, 28% uh, year over year through uh, Q2 of this year. And then the services sector, which is 60% of the economy, has grown by not, not quite as much, but 17% year over year. This growth has resulted in unemployment going down to 4.4% as of July 2021, and that uh, in comparison was 5.4% in 2020. One last major headline that I thought was interesting is that you've seen investor confidence in recent times uh, upset uh, by the cancellation, uh, the government's cancellation of what was a partly built $13 billion airport project in Mexico City, and also uh, the government's withdrawal from what would have been the opening of the oil and gas industry to uh, private investment. I'd now like to touch on a few different product types, uh, mostly on the commercial side. With regard to office, and these statistics are from JLL, vacancy is hovering just over 22% right now. That's a historic high due to the oversupply in the market and the sheer number of tenants who have been vacating their spaces in the pandemic. There are 800,000 square meters, that's 36 buildings, uh, that are in the pipeline over the next three years. And that's a pretty staggering number considering it's 11% of the current stock. It doesn't take 
anyone with uh, advanced intelligence to realize that that's going to result in a negative impact to vacancy. Another statistic that I'll highlight is in the first quarter of this year, a new supply was 70,000 square meters uh, across three new buildings. But as of this month, 60% of that space is still available. The total leasing in the market during Q2 dropped 36% compared to 2020 as the pandemic uh, ebbed and flowed uh, in, in Mexico City. In terms of negative net absorption, that was 135,000 square meters in Q1 2021. It, it, it stands to reason based on that, that the office market right now is very tenant favorable, uh, resulting from the oversupply and the low demand for space. It's expected that that'll last at least another two years. Switching to the industrial market, this information largely from Cushman and Wakefield, you've seen the economy gradually open uh, due to what has more recently been a, a very positive vaccination campaign. Uh, Mexico has benefited from the reactivation of the US economy, uh, which is its largest trading partner. Because of the stability of international trade to and from Mexico, and the recovery of local businesses, uh, th those components have helped keep the market in relatively good shape. The demand in the market has been driven by logistics, uh, more specifically large retailers and e-commerce related users. This demand has pushed the vacancy rate down to a healthy 4.1%, all the while the construction pipeline has been relatively unchanged quarter over quarter, it's down 5% to 380,000 square meters. Uh, to put that into perspective, the larger Mexico City industrial market is 16.7 million square meters. Uh, it hasn't gone up largely from what I've heard because there's an awareness among developers that the economy could continue to experience bumps in the road uh, in the medium term. On the rent side, Class A asking rent is uh, 560 a square meter a month. That's up 2.3% year over year, uh, which is also that same phenomenon is, is, is exists in Class B buildings. A few last data points on the retail side. Uh, the retail market here, sales have grown 2.3% in the first half of 2021 compared to 2020, which is positive news for the market. Uh, on the sales side, uh, that has been 598 billion pesos equivalent uh, in US dollars, 30 billion. That's 6.3% below the same period in 2019, however. Consumption is coming back, uh, albeit at a slower, play, uh, a slower pace uh, than in countries that had implemented some level of fiscal uh, or monetary stimulus. On to guest insights, whether you listened to episode 24 with Jaime Fazio or not, and I highly encourage you to do so, there were a few th things that I took away that I wanted to mention here. First of all, Jaime and his firm really capitalized on the macro trends back in 2011 when he realized that the tariffs that Mexico was placing on Chinese goods were going to go away that would result in a huge influx of Chinese goods into the market and retailers, but there weren't any institutionally run centers or very few to be able to accommodate these, these businesses. Secondly, uh, I was amazed that he went from creating a business, a very simplistic business plan with his partners, to moving forward to have a $500 million commitment from a Canadian pension fund uh, within three months. That was staggering and, and super interesting. The next thing I wanted to highlight is that he mentioned the Mexican coastal markets are in many cases twice the price of, of Mexico City. 
on an average daily rate basis. And that's largely a result of Mexican, uh, of American demand uh, going down to the coast for leisure purposes. To put that in dollar numbers, whereas in Mexico City, the luxury uh, hotel side is probably around $300 or so in ADR, that can easily climb above $1,000 in places like Cabo San Lucas, Tulum, and Cancun. Another thing that Jaime mentioned that I thought was really creative is when he saw that there was this site that wasn't developed uh, along Reforma here to build what would become the Ritz-Carlton, he didn't stop when he received a we're not selling answer from the owner. He said, well, what if you guys built the project and then we, you kind of minimize the hotel portion, we bought that from you. So I thought that was a really creative way that he was able to get an interest uh, and move forward on what I'm standing in today. Lastly, it was great to learn that Thorobana's retail centers did better than most in Mexico throughout the pandemic because they're more lifestyle focused and uh, largely outdoor facing. So that enabled shoppers to feel much more comfortable at an earlier stage coming back in to visit the tenants and to help their businesses regain the right track. Now I'm gonna to move to poll results. You may recall that in the last Kyle's take, I asked when the major tech firms were on average gonna to return to the office. The results came back as follows. 14% of you said in January, 2022, 26% uh, in February of next year, and then split 30% and 30% between March of 2022 or April 2022 or later. I think that is understandable given how the tech firms, the FANG firms have continued to kick the can down the road when it comes to uh, bringing back employees en masse to the office. The next poll is based on what happened on November 8th in that the US finally after 20 months of border closures allowed tourists to come into the US, particularly from Western Europe. So my question is how long will it take Western European tourist visits to the US to reach pre-COVID levels? And to give some numbers, there were 14.6 million Western European visitors in 2019. That declined to 2.2 million visitors in 2020, which I didn't even realize that many were able to get in. And then the answers to that that I'll put out there uh, on my website at uh, kylemay.com are one, less than six months. Do you think two, they'll come back in six to 12 months, three, uh, between one to two years, four, between two to three years or more than three years? Before I sign off, I wanna mention a few quick things about the next guest. Next guest, similar to Jaime and those who were before him, is extremely accomplished and talented and I think you'll all be very interested to hear the story. Uh, with that said, I can't take anything away from Jaime and the spectacular creation that he's brought into existence here right in one of the best locations in Mexico City. Uh, my stay here has been absolutely phenomenal uh, from the warm welcome that I got to the food down on the 38th uh, floor lounge and bar and then also the time that I spent at the gym and the spa, everything was terrific. So uh, bravo to Jaime and back to the dealmaker side. I encourage all of you to come and join me for the next episode. And thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into Global Real Estate Dealmakers, the podcast that takes you around the globe to meet real estate investors who are transforming their local communities. 